Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Killer Santa time is here. That's right. Uh, we're talking about a 1972's Tales from the Crypt uh, on Kill by Kill Bite Size. Well, greetings and salutations again. Pal Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from a sleepy little town in the English countryside. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where usually we're talking about a whole horror movie's list of characters and how they die and the weird things they wear and do. Uh, but on our off weeks, uh, we talk about one segment of a horror anthology, just drill down into that. And this week we've chosen from 1972's Tales from the Crypt. Uh, this particular segment, which is And All Through the House, I think is what it's called. Yes. Um, and of course, there's only one person I trust that if she's going to murder me, she'll at least close the motherfucking curtains first. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? And I'll make sure to carefully scoop up a, 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 a glass of blood. A glass of blood. To, to, to pour it around your head so that when I make it look like you've drunkenly fallen down the stairs, that you know the blood is properly uh, pooled where it should be. I mean, you want to highlight a time where you, you someone thought the way I'm going to get away with this murder is I'm going to grab myself a goblet and a butter knife and I'm just going to ladle some blood off of a white fake fur carpet and no one will catch me. The, the wild thing is no one would have caught her and this would not have put her away. Her DNA all over this shit, the transference of blood places, her lazy ass setup of, of like, oh, he fell down the stairs going to the basement or whatever. Um, she, man alive. Uh, she's kind of good and bad at murder at the same time. Well, we should, we should, before we, before we go any further, we should mention sure. that probably people are, you know, our audience is much more familiar with the, the remake of this right, yeah. for the HBO reboot of Tales from the Crypt. It was actually, I believe it was the premiere episode. Yes. I uh, think they, they wanted to establish the tone of what the show is going to be um, by remaking this particular uh, segment from the original film. Yeah, and so the the main difference I actually did not remember with the the uh, the remake this framing device of a woman trying to cover up her the murder of her husband because the remake spends much more time on. Uh, as Patrick were doing a cat and mouse game between the the female protagonist and the evil Santa Claus, yeah. who is played by Larry Drake very memorably in yes. uh, in, in the remake. Here, the, the the evil Santa Claus is kind of a vague secondary character who yeah. only shows up a couple times and like and, and, the, and like the the very end of the episode. So it's more. Of her, it's more of a suspense thriller. Yes. Where, whereas the remake is more straight horror. Yeah, the the ticking clock of this particular segment has more to do with the fact that she is chosen. And this really comes down to Joan Collins' character's uh, planning. She's not a planner. No, I, no. She has opted for whatever reason to 
uh, murder her husband, A, on Christmas Eve for some reason. Yeah. And B, while their child is in the house. And awake. That's the... That's the wild mother. And, and this is not a this is not a, a like a baby. This kid's maybe like eight or nine years old. Like yeah. like young enough to still believe in Santa Claus, but but old enough to be conscious and aware of what's happening. Yes. And has a voice that I think can cut through stainless steel. <laughs> oh I, yeah, she's a real mummy. Mummy. And she gets a particular tone <laughs> that sonically will disrupt your nervous system. You're like this is a, this child is basically rejected from from getting a a tour of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Yeah, I, yes. Well, this is a this is a household that ha- obviously has quite a few problems going into it. Um, first and foremost, you have a, a rather elderly gentleman who is married to a young Joan Collins, who um, not only is sexy but has a fair amount of upper body strength. The fact that she can drag dead bodies across an entire fucking house. Why not call him over to where the stairs are and crank his ass right then and there and push him down the fucking stairs? Yeah, he's pretty He's pretty elderly. It's, it's not going to take a lot. No. And, and instead she, like, uses this fireplace machete. That's yeah. <laughs> like the only way I can describe it. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it, quite, actually. I mean... I guess um, you do. I guess you, I've never, I mean, I very briefly lived in a home that had a fireplace, but we only had like a very basic tool. I guess the machete is supposed to be so you can cut the wood down. I mean, ultimately what you really want with a poker. Uh, and I say, this is a former boy scout who's called upon to create fires. Very often we have a gas fireplace and we use it decoratively here, but still ultimately with any wood f- uh, burning fireplace you want to create spaces within the wood where those logs are close enough to one another that one heat source is contributing to the other but allows space for oxygen because one of the things that feeds a fire is oxygen so you want to create a certain amount of space between them almost creating a oven like structure within your logs so it's continuously burning so when that that fuel of the wood burns out, you can put more logs on top of it. And the hot coals of the previous logs will catch that new log of wood on fire. This has been fireplace talk on Kill by Kill. <laughs> kill by Kill, where you learn something new every episode. Um, I would not suggest anyone do the home decorating trick that has gone on here. Like, I love the the fireplace machete and the, this, the shiny silver implements uh, on display. But I would never, in my wildest fucking dreams, have a white painted fireplace gina holy shit you gotta have a lot of money to go let's paint the fireplace again we used it last night yeah this is one of those uh houses where like you it's like you didn't expect to have children when you decorated this house no no because they've got the the white shag carpet like perfect to hide cocaine in yeah (laughs) you know everything is white and chrome It, it doesn't look it doesn't look particularly inviting. 
No. Uh, but but at the same time, like it's in, I think it's in keeping with this you know trophy wife character. Yeah. I yeah. I just want to take a moment to I I do not think that our our younger audience, you know, sure. whoever whoever yeah. that might be, <laughs> our younger audience being under thirty five, <laughs> can can really appreciate Joan Collins. Yeah. Um. She was kind of a, she was a huge figure in 70s and 80s pop culture, known mostly for the fact that she has never played any character that wasn't a, a conniving villainess. Right. Like, yeah. like she's, I mean, she, when I was a kid, she kind of reminded me of like, like she, I always thought she should have played like, like, you know, some fairy tales, wicked stepmother. Sure. Because, sure. because she has that kind of look. Yes. Like, you know, like, like, you're you're never going to see her play like an ordinary housewife. She just always looks, you know, if if she didn't exist, her sister Jackie Collins would have had to invent her. (laughs) Very true. She just looks very haughty. You know, she's always kind of sneering. And and she's like perfectly cast as as, you know, a a woman who just thinks nothing of just bopping her elderly husband over the head with a fireplace machete on Christmas Eve. So she can get a whole because I guess apparently she just doesn't want to wait around for him to die, which seems like it could be like, you know, any time between, you know, you know, two years and tomorrow. <laughs> there's no but there's really I really cannot think of a modern equivalent to her. No. no. And she was still and she was still and she was still playing these like very like sexually aggressive, you know, I know what I want, I know how to get at characters, like well into her forties and fifties. Like I yes. think she was near sixty when she was still playing. Alexis Carrington and and you're and you know and you weren't supposed to think that was like weird or gross or anything. No, you know, she, well yeah. she had she comes from um you know a, a time which if you had a face, right? A, a striking face. There's no other part of Joan Collins that is fetishized. This just really the dom nature of her you know, professional persona and her striking face and everything else, like, she's like, well, she's just beautiful. She's beautiful. She's like a beautiful person. And you hand wave everything else that's associated with her. Whereas so much about our current culture has to do with how fit you are, some sort of exotic body part. There's, right, and or on the opposite things side. so much higher than back then. Right, exactly. And you're not seeing, you know, you women playing, you know, these you know, these characters in their fifties who were still, you know, having like, you know, the 25 year old lover or whatever, or if they, right. if they are, it's like, it's supposed to you know, be like a sign of their sad decline or something. Right. <laughs> you know? It's like, isn't it awful? She's just, she's, she's, she's taking on these men young enough to be her son as, 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 you know, as, as her lover. And, you know, it's like, this is so sad. I'm like, is it? Okay. <laughs> is it sad? <laughs> Or is she just getting? She's getting done proper. I think. Right. It's like she she does, she, she finds she finds men her own age boring and too slow for her. You know. Yeah. I mean. And that's what happens with men of a certain age. They're slow and stupid. This one's particularly slow and stupid. So. Well, he's like ninety. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, but then, but, 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 tell but, but, who, what age anyone is. 
1972. He's presented as gray and slow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he could be boring. like he could be like 50. <laughs> right. Yeah. In which case, like he's not dying fast enough. And she's like, "Listen, I'm 30. I'm vivacious. I like costume jewelry. Uh, I have things to do. I have a child who." needs some sort of help from the medical field in order to not kill people with her voice. <laughs> I have a child that I look like at some point during this, uh, this segment where I, I'm, I'm considering maybe killing her too, just for shingles. <laughs> I mean, she's like, I, she's like, I can mold her into a man eater. I think is what. That's is, true. Is yeah. But there, there are certain points where she's like, she almost forgets that she's there. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, it's really confounding her choice of moment to kill off her husband. There's just not a lot of forethought, but let's, let's set this up a little bit. Okay. So this is at a, a, a time here in, in Britain where the, the, and Tales from the Crypt kind of really kicks this off. It's, it's such a success that this becomes a mini industry within the British film scene, which is not as as robust as what's happening in Hollywood, but certainly you have plenty of stars to choose from. There's lots of talent to choose from. You have a a long tradition of British uh, screenwriters and directors and so forth, but there's not as much money pouring into it. And so they, in the aftermath of the Hammer horror revolution, People are looking for a way to compete on the same space. And so Amicus, a smaller company uh, there, which has kind of taken the hammer route because you have this insane, you know, pool of British talent to pull from, goes, all right, how can we do horror? Because that's cheaper to do and obviously it causes a pop at the box office. It's a moneymaker. Uh, what's a way we can do this? And they look to old EC comics. And we've kind of discussed this before when it comes to Creep Show. That's their uh, uh, inspiration, but they are taking it directly. They are, you know, there's a whole thing in the front of this, like these stories come from EC comics and the vault and even denoting the major writers at EC comics at the time. So, it's literally saying this is the source material we're pulling from and here's how we're interpreting it. And so a group of people is on a tour of an ancient crypt uh, in the countryside of England. And holy shit, you will believe that crypts exist, Gina. (laughs) I do. I do believe. uh, The tour guide can barely walk. He's holding on to every surface along the tour and is constantly asking them, hey, uh, stay together because you can get lost down here. Meanwhile, in the background, someone is going hard as a motherfucker on an organ. Like, (laughs) getting paid by the note on that fucking organ. Um. And the tail end of uh, of the tour group is these five people. They get lost in a catacomb. <laughs> five people get lost in a catacomb is my favorite start to a street joke. And um, they are trying to catch up with the rest of the group. They get they go to a bunch of dead ends. They come so fucking close to lighting their hair on fire. 
in the various prop torches on the wall. Um, well, they still had like they still had that like kind of you know remnants of that big sixties hair. So it, it yeah. was it was pretty it was pretty easy to uh, accidentally you know, you know scorch a few if you're walking past some like wall sconces. Yeah, um, and they one passageway a door slides open and they walk into it and there's Ralph Richardson. Uh, with a monk's hood on, and he's like, gather around, y'all. I've got a tale to tell. And one of the guys there goes, I'm in a hurry. Motherfucker, you're on a cemetery tour. You don't <laughs> He'll blow through a cemetery tour. Right. Like, you signed up. You're wandering around fucking catacombs. And you're like, well, I have a call at 2 o'clock. You should have thought about that before you started wandering around fucking catacombs. That is not something that someone does when you have to get somewhere else. Like, you made your choices. Then Ralph Richardson says, well, uh, I have some stories to tell you. For example, you, Joan Collins, um, where do you have to go after this? And then, (laughs) and we fade into her her story. Turns out I have a very important husband to kill. (laughs) <laughs> excuse me bam so we immediately go to her insanely white uh, it, it kind of looks like room. it kind of looks like uh, it reminds me of the the house of the woman that had the, the, the giant penis statue on a clockwork orange sure yeah 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 They're very like very like uh, uh, art deco unique to the 60s and early 70s look yes it's and it's a real confluence of styles because you have you have that um, wild you know late sixties uh, mod uh, revolution which is where you get the, the 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 fireplace machete sort of look and then some of her her decoration choices are just confounding to the point that my brain started to leak out through my nose the camera starts to pan to the right and it lands on. A obscenely overstuffed frog plush that looks like it's tripping balls. <laughs> I mean, you know, haven't you ever? You know, we were, we, you know, we were both born, like, you yeah. know, when, when, you know, when this movie came out. I mean, have you ever looked back and seen pictures of like the like the toys you had when you were a child? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I had a, I, I had an electric pink stuffed hippo. <laughs> But did you pose it next to what I can only claim is a Rastafarian egg? <laughs> is it an egg with dreads? I mean, you know what? I I grew up in a beachside town. Uh, that you know, so there was like boardwalks and had like the you know the the uh, games run by you know shifty individuals that would give sure. you a, give you a prize if you could knock uh-huh. some milk bottles over the baseball. Yeah. If at that time one of the prizes was an egg with Rasta braids, I uh, I <laughs> would not have been the least bit surprised. Uh, so if you're wondering where that frog got the drugs from, it's definitely that Rastafarian egg. They they look like quite a fucking pair. And also they're posed next to a log. Just a fucking log. <laughs> standing upright. Like someone yeah, said, it's like, it's like, the they're, it, it's like they're supposed to be Christmas decorations. Yes, but... No Christmas anyone has ever celebrated. Oh, you don't know the you don't know the 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 story of the uh, the, the the Christmas Rasta. <laughs> I cast your mind back. Someone like 
It's a combination, the opening of John Carpenter's The Fog, where he's like, there's a, there's a group of people we shipwrecked and we stole their gold. Anyways, back to bed, kiddos. And a Christmas story that involves a psychedelic frog and a Rastafarian egg. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? So um, that's contrasted with what we learn the farther we go into this movie, which is there's no room in this house that is painted the same color. Everything has everything is primarily white with one crazy motherfucking color accent wall. And those accent walls do not go with one another. And then you go into the kitchen and everything is the nuttiest Spanish tile from the craziest ceramic maker. Like he went, he went nuts on peyote and this is what he made. They're <laughs> you know, like, give me 400 square feet of this. I'm going to put it on a wall. Um, everything is, is different than the next room. And it's all meant to, force you to trip balls regardless of how sober you are yeah you're just kind of wandering from room to room like uh like lisa simpson when she's when she drank from the duck gardens water fountain <laughs> sure you're just like ah, ah. <laughs> or homer simpson's trip after he goes to the chili cook-off and and his tongue touches the one uh, uh the, the one pepper that's Farmed by mad monks in Argentina or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I can't quite remember how they describe it, but that's that's the gist of it. Um, but this is where we meet Richard, and he's the kind of husband that a wife would love to kill. <laughs> he just every part of him states he kind of sucks. Not an aggressive, hateful sucking. But in a passive do nothing side. Well, yeah. I, again, I think he's just you know he's quote unquote old, which you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Honestly, he could be fifty for all I know. He, right. he he's just Coda's older than her. Yes, um, he's undoubtedly has like the most boring job in the world. Yeah, he's probably like a solicitor or some shit, and and uh, but yeah, he does love her because because we we you know we see a close up of a gift he's going to give her with a you know. A, a, a tag on it says, like, you know, to the best wife in the world or something like yeah. that. So, you know, he, he loves her. She doesn't love him. No, no. I think she loves the life he provides for her, but that life would be a lot more rich and interesting if he, oh, I don't know, tripped and fell down the fucking stairs and died already like I asked you to. Why can't you do what I ask you to do? Um, Richard pours himself a drink. And it, it's either molasses or dark rum, but it's not something <laughs> humans should consume on Christmas Eve. It is road tar. And then he opens uh, a a newspaper that obviously they have, you know, gathered together from other newspapers. Yeah, it's like because- it's like it's like it's like put together like a ransom note. Yeah, it really is. I took a I took a screenshot because thank Tubi, they don't care if you take screenshots. They're like these movies, just have at them, baby. So here are some of the headlines from this put together new <laughs> high street to have Christmas decorations. That's on the front page, Gina. Uh, on Christmas Eve, which you know, yeah, I would fucking hope by that point. Youths caught in market chase. <laughs> 
counselor duet to become Burley mayor. Burley? Over- like, like somebody, like somebody is built Burley. No, that it's the town of Burley. We oh, okay. Now, uh, the other one that I really love is on the back page of, you know, because there's page one and there's, you know, page 15 or whatever. And it says kidnap baby. <laughs> that that's the headline kidnap baby <laughs> whatever the rest of like is that is that a is that a directive <laughs> i don't know here's the thing like when they made the newspaper the the fold obviously there's some space there but they did not leave enough space for the actual you know contents of that of those articles on the back page um, to complete themselves so it, there's just it's it's cut halfway down a graph so obviously this was never meant for somebody to screen grab right no one in the movie theater had time to actually put this shit together because all this really is is a, a grand guignol curtain for blood to splash on it once joanne you know lanes that fireplace machete into his head Right, and, and 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 later to be splashed in what looks like straight up like red craft paint. Yes, it truly is. It when she starts cleaning things up, I thought it looks more like she's cleaning up after a kindergarten finger painting session. Yeah, this is her. this might be like a new fakest blood I've ever seen in a in a in a, yeah. in, a, in, a in anything we've covered. I do wonder if it was, was this like, well, this is how Hammer does it. And this is how the Italians do it. So this is how we present. Blood. I would assume. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, it, it, if they're trying to make it anywhere near, near real, like within a few minutes, that shit's turned brown. It's so fake. Yeah. She shouldn't be able, she shouldn't be able to scoop it into a glass with a knife. Yeah. And yet, and yet somehow that is, it took me a few seconds. Like, what the hell is she supposed to be doing? It's, it's got, here's the thing, like, I know it was of the time, but I really view this as like a, the hammer Italian, um, blood, but also at the same time, like, uh, in, in Hollywood, you do have more realistic blood being shown on screen by 1972. Like Bonnie and Clyde has come out, um, the you know the wild bunch has been released in theaters if, if I, I can only imagine that they're they're not trying to go for any sense of realism right because i mean it is ultimately you know based on a comic strip a, a, a comic right and the the goal here is to you know not uh we do not come to tales from the crypt for realism no 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 it just it, it just makes it kind of comical to to you know yeah as you say it, it, it looks like children have been finger painting in in her very plush white living room. And on top of that, her fit is a maze balls. I mean, that she chose this outfit to murder a man with is uh wow. Yeah, Madison not she gets blood on her hands, not a drop on any on her clothes anywhere. How like that she, is possible is uh, I don't she, know. She she doesn't even get any of that uh, what do they call it splashback when you uh right. when you 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 shoot somebody or you know kill somebody in a way that you get your hand or body close to them yeah you know they're they're gonna be like you're gonna get a little bit of their blood on you but nope not a drop and she has zero compunction like the the couch that he's on is white 
the rug in front where he falls is white. There's just zero planning here. Like, that's going to be a lot harder to clean up. She gets blood on that couch immediately. But she's, it just has to be noted, what she is wearing is a, like, a channel tuned to the eye of God psychedelia jumper. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to describe it. It just it looks like waves of electronic data that, you know, you would cross over to another dimension if you looked at it long enough. Combined with a belt that is two decorative silver flames that connect in front and... Throughout the movie, she bends over to pick things up to haul him around. And I'm like, that would poke you in the tummy a whole lot. Oh, that yeah. It would be easy to do, to wear. Um, it's it's not an outfit meant for murder. She's just like. No, this is, time. you know, this, yeah, you know, this sort of feels like both she's been planning it a lot for a while. And at the same time, she's that bucket. Let's do it tonight. Yes. Like, she was going, like. I I truly wonder if she was just driven to the point where, you know what? I was going to wait another two weeks, but tonight's the night, motherfucker. And so she brains him. She kind of enjoys that finally he's dead. Uh, she doesn't check that he's dead, by the way. She oh, just, no, but I love I love when she moves him to uh, to push him down the stairs. He's got the tongue hanging out like a Winnie Tunes cartoon. <laughs> I just, I, I hope not. Would I go? I, I'm like that. I would like the, the tongue hanging out, the X's over the eyes. You yeah, know, be perfect. Yes, yes. The cartoon birds have finally left. That's how you know. Exactly. <laughs> um. So Joanne brains him, and then she uh, searches his pockets while he bleeds out on the fucking white fuzzy carpet. Yeah, she's like not putting anything under his head to like like soak up the blood. They go on this like white carpet. I know. I know. God, she would get caught so fucking fast. There's just no story she can come up with. Why not lure him to the stairs? But well, course, the, if she the, doesn't, some of the things in this movie just won't work. Well, the funny thing is, that there's like a split second where, like, once she finds out that there's a you know a, a you know, insane asylum escapee on the loose, uh -huh. you know, we'll, we'll get to that. That again, he actually is a very small part of the story. Yes, yeah. Um. Uh, she kind of looks like she's considering, well, maybe I'll let him in and, 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 you know, and then I'll claim, you know, that, that, you know, oh, he killed my husband. And then she's like, nah, I better do it this other way instead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a practically wordless, this particular segment. This is a, a almost silent movie because with the exception of some exchanges with her daughter and the radio. Most of it, like you could just put it in black and white or sepia tone and it would play out perfectly without words. Yeah, like just, she has, she never speaks to, to the husband. Like yeah. she just, you know, he comes, he sits down, has a little, you know, glass of tar and, and, you know, she just, <laughs> she just comes up and, you know, bees him on the head with the, with the machete. Um, For whatever reason, like their safe that's hidden behind a picture, um, it requires a key. Usually that's like a combination. I don't know what the key is for, but she needs the keys. Um, she makes sure that the insurance policy is there. And lo and behold, her fucking kid is at home and awake in bed. Like this, this broad has brass balls. 
Like, yeah, I mean, like of all, of all the nights you would you would think that your kid would not be sleeping when they shouldn't be, Christmas Eve would be right at the top of the list. Yes. The mummy, mummy. The downstairs <laughs> window, the, the downstairs window shatter. You know. Like, just like, how do they keep any glass in this house? So they should all shatter every time she simply wants toast in the morning. The neighbor's third dog in, in six months has dropped dead. Uh, Carol, uh, the daughter, is her her bedroom is a nightmare. We don't get to see most of it. It's I don't another think one. Of, it's another one of those. You know, no children sleep in here. Bedrooms, no. which we which we run which, which we run across. Uh, uh, Numerous times, yeah. most, most, uh, probably most predominantly in um, the Bionic Woman episode we did. <laughs> where it, Nichols grand where the, office. Of right. Where it's like, okay, no children sleep in this room. What are you even doing, production designers? She's temporarily taken over M's office from the James Bond universe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just you put a rat, put a doll or teddy bear somewhere. Jesus. <laughs> just one poster of a, a long haired rock star. That's all we need. But no, uh, we're not given that. Uh, so she's like, hey, go to bed. Santa's not here yet. I'll let you know. And so she, Joan does not appear to be much of a planner. She's committed this murder in the living room with the windows, just no curtains in front of them at all. And I get it. This is a sleepy English burg. She's not expecting anybody. But also... If you're going to commit murder, again, A, don't do it. That's my suggestion to you. If, yeah, just kind of, just kind of, you know, if you if you were thinking about that you, you, your your life might improve with the death of your spouse, yeah. just, you know, get, get, get the knees of some divorce lawyers. <laughs> yes. Listen, no fault, currently, no fault divorce is legal. Just, uh, just you know, it's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult, but uh, you should both come out of it alive, especially if you've got a kid involved. Uh, and secondly, if, if that doesn't convince you, please close your fucking blinds because that's, you're just asking for and, it. And don't do it where you have a white carpet. Yeah. Do not. I did the cleanup will not be as easy as portrayed in 1972's Tales from the Crypt. So, and she's in the middle of her removal of the body from the living room and dragging it towards the door that leads to the cellar. This is her plane. Uh, we hear over the radio an announcement. Um, a man described by the the radio announcer goes, a man described as a homicidal maniac. Now, Gina, what is that fucking description? Because when you see him, you're like, I don't know. He seems like he needs to wash his face. Yeah, I was going to say, he's just, he's just kind of dirty. Yeah. Like at least like like with like with Larry Drake, he's got the Larry Drake crazy eyes. Right. So you can and you can you can you can you can you can definitely say, okay, this guy is not to be fucked with. Yeah, he's got a mouthful of carnival teeth. It's it's a whole look. He yeah, like whereas the, whereas this guy just kind of reminds you of like Dan Aykroyd when he's dressed as Santa Claus in Trading Places, where yeah. like maybe at the worst he'll pull a slice of deli hand up from under his beard and eat it right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so he goes on to say that this uh, described homicidal maniac has escaped from the home for the criminally insane and want to do other criminally insane things good. Uh, he's about 6'3", 210 pounds, bald, 
wearing a Santa outfit. And she doesn't really register it. It's really meant for the audience to hear it. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure none of this information will be relevant at all for the rest of the story. So uh, Joanne's house, She once she hears this, she does prepare to a certain degree. She does not close the curtains, but she does bolt her front door and holy fuck, Gina. Her house has more bolts than Usain's house during the reunion. It's... <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of fucking bolts. That's that's like that's a that's a gem. You need to be proud of that. <laughs> Six stars for that one. That that <laughs> is. You. I know you worry sometimes about how your jokes go down, but that one went down smooth. <laughs> it's a little sweaty, but I think it's <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a lot. I mean, I don't know what they're protecting themselves from, but definitely they are protecting themselves because they're all each individual different types of door bolts. Right. But at the same time, it's like the, the little thing entering like this countryside. What are they worried about? Like the postman showing up on, on his bicycle. I mean, she was so unworried about someone being near the house that she fucking murdered somebody with the curtains open. So like, how concerned can you actually be here? But yeah, but, it's like one of the, it's like one of those when you watch like uh, uh, you know something from the seventies or eighties. It takes place in New York, and they have like you know the 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 deadbolt, the right. door lock, the chain, the little bar that like you know goes into the floor, and yes. you know how they have to go through like five minutes on locking everything to let someone in. Yeah, she lives within the the district of Britain that contains Fort Apache, the Bronx. <laughs> got some got some wolfins running around. She's got to look out for. Her. Oh, this this story would be great with wolfins, but it no no sooner is this announced on the radio and she's locked the door, that fucking Santa shows up and starts ringing the the little bell that he has in his hand, and then knocks on the door and does not wait two seconds before he tries the door handle. So that motherfucker wants to find a way in. This is not someone who's just greeting and saying hi. This is, hey, knock, 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 you know, shaking the door back and forth. So it's a good thing she has that many bolts. But also, rude, you don't live here. Come on. Jesus fucking Christ. I know you're quote unquote criminally insane, but... Uh, uh, I don't know, man. And then he looks in the window. And this is where I've written down for the third time, Joanne, close your fucking curtains. Yeah, for real. He, he's just like, he's just like peeking like, anybody home? Uh, anybody want to get uh, choked to death? Because I would like to do that. And so Joanne senses that this might be a real problem if her house is being surrounded by a crazed maniac. And so she does what any of us would do. Look for the phone. Good news. Joanne, Joanne has a phone that looks like a arcade joystick slash vibrator. This phone is incredible. If, if I, if I ever find something like this in like an antique store, uh-huh. like we don't even have a, we don't even have a landline in our house. We haven't, we haven't had one in years. Everybody just uses their cell phones, but, but. Like if if we if I found one, I'm just get a a new landline just for that. It's pretty magical. And if someone and called me, I'd be like, "Hey, I'm talking to you on the dildo phone." <laughs> Ringy dingy dildo phone calling. <laughs> so Joanne basically dials the British version of nine 
one and puts her finger in the spoke for the other one is like, hold on, wait a second. She's like, oh, wait, I just killed a guy. I murdered my husband, haven't cleaned it up at all. Perhaps I am not in the position to call the police right now. And so she's like, I don't know, maybe I close the curtains a little bit. Maybe I clean up. A, a she kind of like, it, it's very strange how, again, uh, to, to belabor a point I made earlier, uh-huh. the remake uh, focuses much, much more on her trying to avoid this crazy Santa Claus killer. Yeah. Uh, which Again, which is why I forgot the whole thing with her, that she's not, you know, a good person herself. But here, like, like she is aware of the, the, you know, this evil Santa trying to get into her house. You know, so she like, you know, locks everything up, pulls the curtain down. She's like, well, that takes care of that. Let me get back to, <laughs> let, me, let me get back to the business at hand. He's bound to wander away. Yeah. And then she kind of forgets about him for a while. Well, she's got a lot to fucking do. She has a lot on her plate. And I think some of this comes down to the brevity of the story, right? When you only have, I think it's 15-ish minutes to tell the story, like you got to pack it in. And so it's very clean what happens here. We have a setup where she's committed a murder that she has to make look like an accident. The complication is you have an awake child on Christmas Eve, again, bad planning, And something you can't control, which is a deranged maniac, or at least that's how he's described by the radio, uh, on the outside. So you got a ticking clock here. And in order to call the police, now she has to cover up for the murder that she thought she would have more time to do and do all of that under the pressure of, I hope that deranged maniac doesn't get into the house. We do have to very quickly um, describe what their Christmas tree looks like which is like a Joshua tree on steroids that they've decorated like Charlie Brown's twig. It is a sad Christmas tree. It is. It's, it, it looks like it's already caught on fire at least once. Maybe it is a British thing. Uh, they don't have conal furs or whatever, but uh, it looks more like something that uh, makes sense in bikini bottom than it does inside of a house. <laughs> like you don't think with like uh, Joanne's decorating style, they have one of those like shiny white trees. And listen, I'll say this for Joanne. She knows how to multitask because she's like sealing off the house from a homicidal maniac. She's monitoring her child. She's tossing her dead husband down the cellar stairs. She's gathering blood into a goblet with a motherfucking bread knife. That's uh, crazy. Like, it, it took me a few. I'm like, what the hell is she doing? It, it doesn't make rational sense. Like, in her head, this is the easiest way to gather blood. And you're like, why? All you're doing is smearing it across the white carpet. There's no way on earth you would be able to clean. But this is the movies. And so she cleans it up just fine. I don't know how you get blood out of white fur, but fine yeah as you know come on you know in real life that 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 shit's already dried into there you're you're gonna you're gonna need a you're gonna need like a steam cleaner for that shit and so some sort of part of her now that she's washed her hands and 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 gotten rid of the new blood-covered newspaper like everything is in its right place she delicately ladles some blood onto the cellar floor um so it makes it look like he tripped down the stairs so she comes upstairs she's like okay 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 wait a second Carol 
and she goes upstairs. The outside of Carol's bedroom looks like it's sponsored by tricks based <laughs> on the color pattern. It's just pink, purple, and teal in a way that's meant to drive you slowly insane. Uh, of course, Carol is not there. She is downstairs, and she has let Santa, in quotes, in and immediately goes about murdering Joanne. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that that that, that uh, you know basically all Carol and again Carol is not a a a tiny child. She's probably about eight or nine, and you know apparently only recognizes Santa by the fact okay, red hat, yeah, boobs, beard, Dread. because like she lets this you know filthy gentleman into her house and say, hey, you've got to be Santa. You're the suit says everything, and like I, no other part of your visage communicates Santa except for the suit. And he's like, uh, murder, yes, that's like ho ho ho, come into my house, <laughs> kill mommy, yeah, yeah, come on, kill daddy, kill me, you know, whatever. As long as you leave presents, I've got cookies out for you, you weird homunculi. And so, unlike the HBO version, there's no cat and mouse to this. The guy's let into the house. Two seconds later, he's on her. No, she just she just kind of does a whole like like you know tripping and you know suddenly she can't get up again. And then yeah, like it looked like it takes about twenty seconds to strangle her. He does from behind. This is this yeah. is the honest part of this. It's like he's giving her. It's like he's giving her a massage. Exactly. Oh Jesus Christ, Gina, you read my mind again. He's massaging her to death from your shoulders. Like, ah! And like just collapses and it's over. Like, <laughs> it feels too good. It's like he can say like he gave like the Vulcan neck pinch or something. Right. Yes. Yeah. He's cut off a vital nerve pathway or something like that. There's no, it, it certainly doesn't feel like he's, you know, not allowing her to breathe oxygen, but whatever. And she's holding on to that fucking fireplace machete. All she has to do is reverse and crank him in the head and she'd be in the clear. But no, uh, that, that's not the point of this. We do not come to Tales from the Crypt to learn about how to successfully murder your husband. Basically, what we're saying is that the remix will better. <laughs> well, well, I think they're telling two different, the same story, two different kinds of ways. I think this is really effective for 15 it is, minutes. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a this, good, it's, it's a good suspense thriller. Not so good. Not so good for uh, as straight horror. No, um, and it has less time because that HBO one is, if not twice as long, it might even be three times as long. It might be forty five minutes if I'm remembering correctly, but it's at least a half an hour. And so, if you're going to have that much more time, you have to build in more things to this. Whereas, as it's presented in the 1972 version. It has a, a simple story to tell, and it tells it in an economic fashion. And when he reaches in through the gates of the back door, I jumped. No, that's like, you know, it's it's it. What it does, it does well. I just think yes. you're, yeah, as you say, they, they it takes two, they take very two very different approaches to the same story. Right. I you know that one is telling a Hollywood version of that. You know, in an era of action movies, you have an action movie director, you know, making it. Um, he's trying to both shock you and ratchet up the tension and find ways to complicate her journey. And it's more of a cat and mouse. And 
there's a lot more going on to it because you have more runway. Here, it's a very simple A to B to C story. Uh, and it, it is told in, in, a, in a great way. I I was watching it. Becky was on the couch doing something else. And I literally leapt out of my chair when the Santa reaches in through the gate. It just fucking got me. So uh, I, this is this is one of my favorites. Like this made me love horror when I watched it as a kid. Yeah, see, I think this is I think this is the first time I saw this version. I was much more familiar with the tales from the great yeah. version. In fact, when you said, uh, you know, oh, let's do that. That's what I thought you were talking about. And then you and then you mentioned it on uh, on on Blue Sky that you're yeah. on, like, oh, he needs the other one. OK, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, I, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But it's interesting that like this, this was the first one you saw where, whereas my mind always immediately goes to the, the 89 version. Well, this is so, you know, it, it ended up on television. Like you could, you could show this without editing it too much because it's, it's hiding the weenie so much on the gore and whatnot. Um, and the gore looks so fake that yeah. it's like, I mean, it's, it seems almost comical. I, I think this is fucking PG. That's how. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but it would be interesting if down the line we covered that HBO version. I just don't know where to find it because. I think that one is on. I think I did stumble across that in, on YouTube. But I, okay. I, I had some, I had some other ones that I that I prefer more. Yeah. Like uh, the one with Amanda Flummer, which sure. which I is burned into my brain forever. I, I, I love that one so much. Uh, where you get to see her be an, an axe murderer like she's always meant to be. Yeah, that she's only been twice. She needs to be an axe murderer. Like like chasing like chasing her 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 newlywed husband around with an axe while she's in like wedding night lingerie. Yeah, <laughs> and there's that one where the the guy can't die and he makes himself like a a, a carnival axe. Oh, the one with um, oh, what's his face? Um, uh, Bill uh, William Sadler. Yes. Yeah, yes. So that's a good one too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the problem there is like, uh, it, they're not as available cause it's like legally dubious. It, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a problem in terms of. And of course only, we, we'd see you on HBO match because run HBO match is run by a motherfucker now. So yeah, sure. Yeah. Even if they had found a way to put it on HBO max, I'm sure he would have axed it out of pure spite because of fucking idiot. Um, so let's choose our own death venture. That's where we decide of the deaths presented in this segment. Uh, if we were forced to die that way, which one would we choose and why? Here we go. We have two binary choice. You can either have your head split open by a, a fireplace machete, or you can be strangled from behind by a dirty Santa. Gina, I choose you to go first. Well, yeah, honestly, I am always kind of tense in the in the neck and shoulder area, mm-hmm. so I, I never I never don't need a massage. Yeah. But at the same time, I really love that whole, you know, dying with my tongue hanging out like a Bugs Bunny sure. just had, you know, after having an anvil dropped on my head or something. Yeah. So I think I'm actually going to take it hit the head with a fireplace machete. Uh, he goes so fast. He does. And he, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't see it coming. So he doesn't yeah. know that, you know, it's his wife who did it. So. You know, it, it, it's you know he he died you know you know, peacefully with his little glass his little his glass of fudge, <laughs> alcoholic fudge. Yeah, that's the way to go. Reading the newspaper, drinking liquid alcoholic chocolate. Um, that's I, I can't think of a better way to go. As much as I need a massage, um, I don't want it from a dirty Santa. So uh, that uh, that works there. Uh, Gina, where can people find and hear and read more from you on these here internets? 
I write about television and movies at thespool.net. I also have a newsletter in which I write about movies at ginawatchesthings.substack.com. Uh, I am on Blue Sky now for however long that lasts. Uh, mm-hmm. That's also under uh, Gina Does Things. Yeah. Um, we're on threads now. Uh, I don't Blue. know how much I'm going to participate when the first thread that I saw was from Ellen DeGeneres. And I thought, oh, this, I know what this is for now. It was it's, for, very, it's for brands. It's for brands and celebrities who do not want to be sandwiched next to um, white supremacists. And I get that. I don't either. So that's fine. I don't know how long threads, I think threads will last simply because it's connected to meta. But again, not a company I would go to when it comes to content moderation. They have a bit of a history there. Um, so listen, find us on our Facebook group. We have lots of fun over there. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on blue sky. Uh, you know, we're on spoutable. I don't really go there, but we're on, uh, you can reach out to us in any of those ways. Go to, uh, joshhalls.com. He makes all of our artwork. Go to revenge body Memphis at bandcamp.com. You can get this theme and more. And he's been a uh, part of a, uh, he did a live show in um, Memphis where they re-recorded live the Halloween 3 soundtrack. And it is so fucking good, Gina. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to it, listen to it yet, but. Oh, it is, it is fucking great. Like, um, it's, it's different, but really evokes what that movie is. And, oh, I just, I can't give it up enough. Like, you, everyone should be listening to this. Uh, you know, you pay, you pay what you feel, um, but uh, they put some time and effort to it and they have two different versions. One of them is just like a straight album. The other one is the actual soundtrack you can sync up with the movie. So uh, lots of good stuff uh, coming from Revenge Body. Uh, uh, we love, we love him very much. And of course um, uh, we have our Patreon where we're doing uh, fun things uh, like commentaries of Friday the 13th movies. We have chat by chat where we answer your questions and uh, listeners choice. Uh, this month was Warlock to the Armageddon. Uh, so check that out. Of course, uh, don't worry folks, because the body count will continue for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye everybody. Bye. Bye.